40,000 a month working as a executive, like I was doing. Here's the thing I always ask somebody when you go to work, can you get fired tomorrow morning for any reason? It doesn't matter. Hey, we just don't need, you're not in control of your destiny. I don't care. You might be uh, in this business. Can you make a lot of money? Yes. Okay. Is there a lot to learn? Yes. All right. Is it hard? All depends on what you call hard is I'm sitting on my butt working now. So there's many ways that you could really change. Welcome to the really great channel. So today I will actually have the privilege of bringing a multi-million dollar producer annually. This is a guy in which that he's been successful in multiple industries and he's going to be sharing his knowledge. So stop driving, stop whatever it is you're doing and go ahead and tune in right now. Brian, if you want to go ahead and just in introduce yourself to the viewers here, that'd be awesome. Hey guys, as you can see, I'm a pretty complicated guy with my freedom t-shirt on, right? I've always been an entrepreneur, even during the days in the military when I was serving. I started my first company while I was in the military, right? I love working for myself. I love helping families, helping people. I've trained a couple of thousand people over the years in the IT industry and a whole bunch of things that I'm sure Emmanuel is going to be asking questions about. The biggest thing is I'm 62. I know I don't look it. I know it's hard to believe, but you know what? Now you don't look it. <laughs> but here's a secret for me. I don't act it, right? I want to die as young as I can. Right. Whether it be 90, I still want to act like I'm a young person, act like a young person, stay active. Right. I have the weights on the back. They're actually not dust collectors. So I do work out. And give me no Arnold Schwarzenegger here, guys, just to make sure I'm strong and I'm healthy. I love it. I love it. Right. I'm very curious. So just like you mentioned the military, what branch of service were you in? I was in the Air Force. So no, I'm nice. an airborne electronic sensor operator, which was a short for JAFO, just another effing observer. <laughs> We used to hunt subs. That's what we did. Search and rescue and uh, service warfare. Were you ever, were you ever deployed? Like, how does it work in the Air Force? Were you ever deployed? Yeah, many times. Nice. Many times. Uh, <laughs> I've been to a couple of battle zones. One was a peacekeeping. That was more of a war zone than anything. Right. The other one, we got to stay in Gibraltar during the Gulf conflict. If you guys remember that, Desert Storm. Yeah. Our deployment was in Gibraltar. Horrible. Wow. Wow, I've heard stories about that. So did you do 20 or you just got out pretty early? 17. I would have done 20. But the military in its wisdom decided to transfer me during a custody battle. So I had a choice to make. My kids are my career. And at 17 years, I didn't think they would give me that ultimatum. And when they did, I said, I go 30. Wow. It was hard. Best decision I ever made, though. Yeah. So now what's interesting is, so you said that's the best decision. So was that how you transitioned into the IT space? No. So after I got out, that was that void. Who yeah. hires a sub hunter? Not mm. too many people. The other thing I was good at was washing floors because I was a bit of a troublemaker in the military, right? So I knew how to wash floors and take care of hangers. But I know I'm a good talker. So I got into sales early on in car sales and I was doing pretty good. But to me, that wasn't a career. Gotcha. So that's how I transitioned into the IT industry. Gotcha. So now in the IT, and which is very interesting with car sales, because I remember I was having a conversation, I think I was at a bar and this girl was like talking about her biggest month in car sales was 20 grand. She's I had to work the floor. And I know you're going to share pointers here where we have a car salesman that's struggling, slaving away to make 20 grand. And you're going to talk about how you probably make 20 grand in two days. So <laughs> sadly, no, I got my first sale day one. Okay. And mine literally, it was just a lay down. The guy walked in. And then after that, I didn't sell again for two weeks because I was trying too hard. Right? Oh, gotcha. and, and, but I'm a learner. So I would watch how people were doing. We had a guy named Johnny. Johnny would literally walk out, drop his pants on, right? And tell the guy, he said, listen, I can drop my pants, but you're not going to get nothing. He says, I'm going to show you exactly what you're looking for. And once I learned how to be more of a person and not a salesman, I started selling a lot of cars. And it only took a couple of months where I became the top salesman in a GM dealership where the average sales guy, like their top guys were selling 30, 40 cars. And it took me two and a half, three months. And I was number one on the leaderboard. Gotcha. Now you mentioned something which is very interesting was most people have the sales tactics. You have all the people's sales tactics, but you mentioned once you started being a normal person, which I would assume authenticity, right? People just want to be told the truth. Right. So that. So now what point is, because as we transition here, let's say I'm a brand new salesperson, I'm coming into the business, I know nothing about sales in whatever industry, what are like two pointers you give to me for at least going off the gate and running? 5% is going to be your knowledge. That's it. Everybody thinks that you have to know everything about whatever you're selling. Actually, like in the car sales, I would open up the hood, they'd ask me, what's that? I said, it's a thingy. It works for that thingy, it does that. I honestly, I thought I had no idea. Yeah. 
it, all I know, turn the key, it works. And, but I said, I know what you're looking for. I know what's in your budget because you told me. And I mm -hmm. said, and I also know which is going to be a better fit for your family. I said, you got a wife, you have kids. This car, I said, no offense, ain't going to work for a family. Gotcha. Right? So you start talking and you look at the decision maker. That's who you talk to. Gotcha. Talk to the person I make and with women and family. No offense, guys. 75% of the decisions is made by the wife. Yeah. Because that's who you have to keep happy and that's who you focus on. Gotcha. That's interesting. It's interesting in there because I also, when I was in the obviously selling insurance is, especially if you have a sit down, you never want to have a sit down with a man alone, especially when he's, hey, my wife is not home. Because when the wife is not home, the big boss is not home. So whatever decision you make. Yeah, the wife's going to overrule. Yeah. First off, how dare you decide without me? <laughs> that's true and which is interesting because so i would assume one of the pointers is that you gave is always make sure that put in the reps right which is five percent knowledge and then i think i would also summarize would be like speak to the decision maker make sure that both of them are present got you yeah, now always, yeah go ahead no go ahead what i was going to say is always make sure that you're speaking from the heart don't come in with the sales breath the commission mm -hmm. breath it doesn't matter what you're doing in life Get away from commission breath. If you're desperate, trust me, people can see it all over your face and there's no trust. They're going like, you're a scammer. You're going to be dealing with something that's not true. Gotcha. Right? You're going to say whatever you have to get the sale. Gotcha. Right? And so now, which is interesting is because you said you got out of the Air Force and after what happened and them trying to give you new orders. Now you transition into IT. So how do you go from selling cars to now you are in the IT space starting a tech company? So that's a long story, but I'll make it as fast as I can. So I'm at the dealership working and my phone rings and they tell me, Hey, Brian, pick up sales call. It wasn't a sales car. It was my old boss in the military. Okay. He said, Hey, we had a lot of guys getting out. He says, I understand why you got out. He says, would you come back at the rank that we were going to give you? Cause I got promoted. He said, you come back, come work in Greenwood. He said, and you're back in. And he said, just show up at the recruiting center. And I was like, wow, car sales, like, even though I was doing okay, was not a career. It was not mm -hmm. a career path, even though they had visions of me becoming a manager because of my leadership skills from the military. Mm -hmm. To me, it wasn't. So I went through the recruiting center really quick. I had some 20-year-old lieutenant ask me a whole bunch of questions. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? I said, now I realize why I got out. And I folded my, closed my briefcase and the guy started, said, what are you doing? I said, this interview's over. I'm leaving. Because he started questioning my morality, right? That's I said, true. you've been out for three years. Are you a druggie or are you all this? I looked at him. I said, seriously? Right? And so I just said, nope. I said, I'm done. And uh, I left there. And a friend of mine called me about the course at Royal Roads University, the uh, MCSC plus I. And he said, hey, like, why don't we go take a look at this? So I went in there. I signed up. I wrote the most exams uh, or passed most exams ever in the school's history in a six-month period. So I broke all type of records because as an older guy and I was paying for 15 grand for this course, I was going to be good. Mm. And I, from that class, I got a job at Microsoft and my IT career began. What timeline was this? What was the timeline between when you started, when you went back into uni and actually going to work for Microsoft? What year? What was the timeline for this? 1999. So this was 19, this was when, this was, oh, so just to preface, this is when the internet, the dot com, this is when it was actually starting to become a thing. So in oh, yeah. a way... Would you say you got in the market when it was hot? It was new. Very hot. Here's the coolest thing about when uh, Microsoft hired me. I had a pulse. Literally what they were looking for, because they had, you remember Y2K? Yeah, yeah. Anyways, they needed people to come in and test. And so what the Royal Roads gave us was the opening into that world. Even though none of us knew what it was. Honestly, none of us did. I got hired at Microsoft right at Christmas time. I got there, met my boss. Right. He set me up and then they disappeared for a week. And I said, what do I do? He said, walk around the hall. You need, and he gave me a list of all the computers. I said, where do I get them? Because people throw stuff out in the hallway. That means that's refurbished stuff. Take whatever you want. Nobody cares. So I set up my whole office. I had my own office and it had those old TV monitors. I don't know if you guys remember those ones. So that's why I used to call myself glowing in the dark because I surround myself with monitors and I built my own network. Yeah. Replicated what they were doing and for the system that they wanted tested. And I just started working 13, 14 hours a day. Wow. I was there by myself. My kids were in Canada. And I literally got in there at six in the morning and I worked till seven o'clock at night. And there's a lot of reasons for that. First off, Microsoft would feed you for free. So I'd get in the work, 
right? And I'd learn. After mm-hmm. about two months there, my boss came up and said, hey, I see when you clock in, when you clock out. He goes, yeah. He says, you're not allowed to work all that overtime, right? Because I can get in trouble. I went, oh, so what do you tell me? He says, I also noticed you logged the most bugs of anybody on my team. Mm-hmm. And you're brand new. He says, if you're going to if you're going to work log bugs, he says, I'm going to pay you. So my pay doubled overnight. The minute he said that, I started logging 70 hours a week. And I started doubling my pay. And so that really turned me. Six months later, I got offered a QA manager role at Microsoft. Became the lead. Then wow. they offered me full time. And now just the purpose of Q was that quality assurance or what was quality assurance, yes. Quality, quality assurance. assurance. Got you. Interesting. Interesting. So now, which is, I'm just paying attention to what you just said there was you had the position, which obviously entry-level position, but you put in the work. I put in the work. Yes. You put in the work. Now, how much of success would you say is attributed to pure luck or hard work? There's no such thing as pure luck. It's you make your own luck by working hard. People notice you by your hard work. So I got to work every hour I wanted. And because I was leading the pack, Right. And I'm very competitive. You have to be competitive in anything that you do in life. Gotcha. And so I always wanted to be number one or be as close to be as number one as I can. I'm not as smart as you. I'm not as smart as some of the other guys at Microsoft. Literally, Manuel, the first week I used to walk around there when they all came back after New Year's. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around. What the hell am I doing here? I'm 40 years old. Imagine that 40 years old, brand new in the IT industry with mm-hmm. all these kids in their young 20s, super smart coders, developers. You're talking about I knew three languages. Right. That was English, French, and a little bit of German. I didn't know any coding languages. Yeah. And these kids were super smart, but none of them had leadership skills. And a lot of them were, they didn't have, I would say, the drive to become successful. They were like heads down nerds, 100% nerds, and had nothing against them, but they weren't, they didn't have the people skills. And a lot of them were just there. And no offense to Microsoft, but you'd walk into a lab and they'd have 100 people in that lab. And 90 of them were playing games eight hour day playing games, do a little bit of testing, just enough that they didn't get fired. And then you had the people that would work hard and the people that work hard were the ones that got noticed, that got promoted, that got the offers to go full time. Yeah. But it all comes down to where do you want to be and what do you want to do in life? A lot of people go to work and they don't want to work. They want to get paid without they don't want to work. Now, now this is, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, right? And I, it's just, I want to, just for the audience, because we're going to have two different sides. We're going to have people who are like, yes, I'm very competitive. And you're going to have people who are like, I'm not really competitive. I don't like to ruffle feathers, right? So now let's say I'm on the non-competitive side and I get in, right? How do I get that com- competitive edge is, because let's say I'm somebody who's timid, who's shy, and I don't typically like socialize a lot. How would you recommend that I get that competitive edge? What you have to do is be the best with yourself. You have okay. to be competitive with yourself. First off, you know what job has to get done. Actually look in the mirror and say, would I fire myself today for what I did today? Or would I fire myself because what I didn't do today? Or am I going to get promoted because of the effort? So in every industry, even when I, I ran my own large groups, I needed every type of personality on the team. Mm-hmm. I need the, I call them the idiots like me that would jump in without looking deep end of the pool and just absorb everything you can and get through as much as you can really fast. We didn't always have the best quality because our job was to go and figure out how this monster worked. Mm. I would have the second group come in, a little bit more technical, a little bit would come in and figure out more areas. And then I had the third group would come in and it's not that they were slower or nothing, but they were more methodical. They were like, okay, we're gonna cross the I's, dot the T's. They were like, they would go through everything and make sure all the other stuff in the lion features, the product actually did what they were supposed to do. So I needed that one team that would go in, hey, brand new product, let's go figure this out really fast. They mm-hmm. can handle the stress. They can handle things failing. They can handle everything and think outside the box to get it to work, right? Now, those guys, if you like me, if you put me on where I had to do the same routine every day out, I'd say, okay, I'm done. I can't handle this. So you have to figure out what your strengths are. There are people that, no, I need everything a certain way. Trust me, when I'm done with it, it's going to be the best product you've ever seen. So we need that. But you also need the other types as well. So you need both. And not every person that's a manager should be a manager either. Gotcha. Right? You have people that are people managers. You have people that are technical managers. Two different types of positions. Right? Because gotcha. you can have a technical manager that can't handle people because they have no idea how to handle people. They don't know how to handle crisis. They don't know how to handle all the different personalities. And we gotcha. all have personalities. 
So there's got to be a little bit of a balance because you could be, if you don't know how to relate with people, then when you have all the skill sets, you just, it's, have you heard the, there's the two camps, the Nikola Tesla and the, what's the other inventor's name again? The light bulb. Einstein. Uh, yes. And it is, I think it was Einstein or Edison, one of them. Edison. Yeah. Edison is the light bulb. Yeah, it was. I think it was Edison, or it was. I think it was Edison and Tesla. Someone is going to yeah. comment and correct me about this. But one of them had Tesla. Nikola Tesla had all the inventions, but nobody knew him. But on the other hand, you had Edison, who was a very good marketer. Marketing, yeah, was a very good people person, and it brings me to now in this current day and age, in the which we're gonna we're gonna we're getting a little bit off topic, but. How much of, if I was a new business or a new sales rep, how much of it would it be that I'm succeeding because of product or I'm succeeding because I'm very good at talking about myself? You have to, like I said, once again, product knowledge is always about 5% at the start. Okay. Product okay. knowledge is going to come as you're doing it. Within a three to four month period, if you're not a SME, which is a subject matter expert, you're not paying attention to what you're doing. Yeah. But you have to be able to talk, and I call it the BS factor. Okay. It's all like a smoke and mirrors. Like all my students, when I trained thousands of people how to get jobs, they'd always say, what was my degree? I said, it was in BS. They go, oh, you got a bad? I said, no, it's a bullshit degree. <laughs> right? And the fact is, I was very comfortable because I would never lie to the client, but I would, okay. it was my confidence in myself. And that's what a salesman, that's what people want. Like when I see you, you've always, me and you have always got along good. You yeah. always smile. Yeah. Day one, always a smile on your face. You were aggressive you knew what you wanted but you're like honest to the teeth and mm -hmm. that's important that's what people are looking for it's integrity right that you gotta have personality right let's put it this way if you're not a type a personality you're probably going to struggle in sales because you don't believe in yourself first off interesting and you're like oh i don't know if i can do it you're already gonna fail gotcha okay i'm gonna fail that's okay like when i went into the virtual sales right i was over 27 like zero that's not like appointments that's actually talking to people and I'm a guy that wrote, he said, I helped 500 clients in one year on my own pen. And how did I do that? What was my personality and going in and offering them exactly what they were looking for. But when I went virtual, it's like, I completely forgot everything. Gotcha. I had nothing in place. I was like all over the board and I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. And I'm a person that you want to be good, but you have to be able to sit back and go, okay, what the hell am I doing wrong? It was, I had nothing in place. I forgot how to do it. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So now, which brings me to, because you were talking about 500, helping 500 people. Now, you also run a sales organization, right? That helps protect families, especially in the financial space. Now, I'm very curious as far as you went from the tech world and you ran it, you own, you still, do you still run the tech company? Yes. And that's, a, it's a 101 consultant, right? No, the school is done. So COVID killed the school, hmm. even though I have a lot of people still asking me to teach them, okay. I just don't have bandwidth anymore. Gotcha. Now, if let's say who is an ideal client, let's say I'm watching this video, should I, if I'm looking for tech consulting, is your company a good company to reach out to, to learn about different, whatever tech space or tech niche or tech stuff that goes in? So what we do is quality assurance. So I can walk in and tell you what you're going to need just by looking at your documents for how many resources, how much it's going to cost you. Right, on what you need. Gotcha. Right. Technologies don't matter, honestly. It all comes down to, okay, you want to deliver this. What's your audience? What are you going after? And this is what it's going to cost you. Gotcha. Plain simple. It's not hard. You don't make this kind like I've been in so many meetings with people and you'll have the person that uses all the big words to try and confuse everybody. And what I would do is I would question them on one of the big words. And I said, can you explain that to me? Because I'm really dumb. Mm. And then they couldn't. I said, why are you bringing that up when you can't even explain what you're trying to sell us? Gotcha. And if you can explain it, perfect. Explain it to me so I can understand because I'm not the brightest person in here. And I would always make myself come down like that. So they would say, hey, listen, speak in layman terms. Execs do not want to hear the nuts and bolts shit. They want it right to the point. This is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to be because they don't have time for the BS. Yeah. They don't want a big word to go, what the hell? Can you just tell me in English? So because I have a report I have to read and get in front of my bosses. And gotcha. so that's how I always approach it. That's why I want a lot of contracts at Microsoft. Interesting. Interesting. Right. So what's, if I needed some QA 101 consultant, what's the, what's the best way to reach out to you regarding that? Just send out email to me. What's the Brian. email to, what's the email to reach out to? It's Brian at Wolves Financial Services. Okay. Everything Brian is put into one. 
Okay, Brian Edwards. I'm gonna leave an, I'm gonna leave a link in the description. If you want to reach out to Brian regarding looking at the quality assurance of your product, your tech product, or whatever your business is, just the link, the email is gonna be in the description. So now let's transition. So you go from running QA 101, which is I looked it up as a very successful consulting company, and you go from that to transition into the financial services industry. How does that what was the what was the, the motivating factor? All right. So one of the things when I was in the IT industry, I used to drive wherever they needed me. I was a hired gun. Okay. Whoever paid me the most, that's where I'd go. Right. I had full-time gigs. There always stuff happens, right? Where, you know, there are layoffs and everything else. Didn't matter. Microsoft, every company had them, right? Hey, what, your project's no longer needed. You're done. But I had a very good niche of going in and fixing stuff. So people mm. would hire me when they had shit was falling apart and I'd go in and look at it. And I would just break it down to the basics, right? And say, okay, this is what we need to do. Let's start with this building blocks and build the foundation first. Right now, you're trying to get on the top of the skyscraper. You have nothing below. I said, let's get back down here and start building from there. And in the IT industry, I was, the thing is, like, at my age, I was looking at, like, when's the end going to be? So when is it going to end? Because the school, like, was transitioning, right? I was still getting 40 people a class. It was fun. And my wife was telling me forever, you got to retire. You got to stop. I wasn't ready to retire, to be honest. Still not ready to retire. I'm 62. I don't want to retire. What the hell? I'm going to retire when I'm 90. So my idea was, what can I do? And what industry pays residual income? Yeah. High school, I trained a lot of people. But once they left the class, I didn't get paid. Gotcha. Consulting services, I got paid every hour that they worked, whether I did something or not. So that's why I love the consulting part of that but I was also looking for, cause I could do both. Gotcha. Right? So the money side of this aspect of helping families and the financial abilities that came with it, the residual income is what attracted me. Yeah. I think there's always a pivoting thing that happens in your life. That's a transitional phase. I had two friends that passed away that were much younger than me. Their families had nothing to protect them, nothing. So the one left the three kids, brand new newborn wife, just had the baby with nothing, right? The other one was an older gentleman, was older, but still in his fifties, pancreatic cancer, gone within three months. Mm. No life insurance, no nothing. And of course I didn't have any, I'm self-employed. My wife was sitting there, what about like me? And what about our family? I said, can you run the business? And her answer was no. Mm. Then everything we built would be gone pretty quick within a year or whatever, if the income stopped coming in. And she goes, what happens if I die? Or she died? I said, I don't shop at Macy's, I'm fine. Yeah. Did not go good. Yeah, the yeah, other, yeah. No, I can imagine. That work, yeah, that, work that, sense that. humor does not work with the spas, right? Yeah. And I don't know. I said, I'm 58. Who would give me insurance? Because I didn't know. So I called up a friend that was with a company and they got me a million dollar policy. My wife, a million dollar policy. Mm. And they tried to recruit me. And I said, listen, I know you guys make no money. Introduce me to a guy who makes what I make a year. So they did. The guy made what I made in a year and a month. About 500,000 a month. Wow. I was like, dang. The hell are you doing? <laughs> and he was nothing special. Just a hard. I lost your audio there for a bit, Brian. Is that that candle gets really short when you're working two companies. And I was doing all the dialing, doing all the running around, plus holding my appointments with the IT people, going to different meetings, right? And both were doing good. So I used one business to pay for the other one. Yeah. So. That's when I learned about dialers. That's when I learned about hire somebody to book all your appointments and do all your follow-ups for you. So I transitioned. And then since then, I built my own dialing company in the Philippines because you learn that, hey, this can help a lot of other people so they can become more successful. Gotcha. So that was the biggest transition is was something that I could retire with if I wanted to, but I don't ever want to retire. Gotcha. Now, so your transition to the insurance in the insurance space was, okay, you needed something where you were getting paid regardless of your time. So you didn't want to sell time for money anymore. You wanted to basically have your money work for you. Now, let's say I'm transitioning and let's say I'm a, I'm a, in a corporate job. I'm making a job, I'm making an income of 40, 45,000 or 50,000 a month. It depends, a C-suite executive. And now what's my argument behind, let's say I really need the purpose because you know in life is you can achieve whatever you want but if you don't have the drive or the purpose it's just misery right you just become you're not happy you're not happy so now how what is that transition what is that motivator i'm making 50 60 grand a month how do i why how 
how do I justify to myself getting into the insurance space or getting into the financial services space? One, do I make enough money? Is it going to be, is it going to require the work of going in and I'm in the sun all day driving around? Or am I having to go in Thanksgiving or 4th of July, everyone's barbecuing and saying, hey, you need some insurance? It's a typical stereotype of ins the insurance salesman. The insurance oh, salesman. because they want you to work so they get rich. Let's be real. And I've never been one to drink the Kool-Aid. Okay. Don't drink Kool-Aid for any company, guys. It's not worth it. I'm going to tell you right now. If it sounds too good to be true, and they're not willing to show you exactly how they've been successful and what they've done, like, it's probably not true. In this business, can you make a lot of money? Yes. Okay. Is there a lot to learn? Yes. Is it hard? All depends on what you call hard is. I'm sitting on my butt working now. So there's many ways that you could really change your life. Now, on the aspect of somebody that's making 40000 a month working as an executive like I was doing, here's the thing I always ask somebody. When you go to work, can you get fired tomorrow morning? For any reason. It doesn't matter. Hey, we just don't need you. You're not in control of your destiny. I don't care. You might be able to find another job with another company, but I ran big groups. And yet I still got said, hey, we're downsizing. Change of directions, right? And so we have to let all your team go. Oh, by the way, you have to fire all your team. And then I said, who's firing me? And my boss raised his hand and said, yeah. He says, okay, yeah, Jeff's firing me too, right after I fire you. And Jeff goes, yeah, sorry. So I was a director and my executive director got fired, my boss. And we were directors, so it didn't matter. So to me, it was like, that's when I really went in. I said, I got to do this on my own. And so QA101 went full bore, independent. I, I did the doors and I made the phone calls. I knew a lot of people and I was able to get in. And I already had a school established by then, doing it for about six years. Okay. And people were hiring my students. Mm. And I said, we want to hire more. I said, then hire them direct from me. So mm. that was hard transition to get them to hire from my company, QA101 unknown than away from one of the big vendors that's why we never got really big i had a lot of vendors that would call me up and they would use my students and they would sub vent to me okay that, that was one of the hardest things like to get into at&t and those you had to have 20 30 million dollars in the bank to pay because they didn't pay you for six months wow i, got, I can tell you there was like days where i'm going like man if they don't pay me i don't know how i'm gonna make payroll next week that's why i still work as a consultant and my wife as a consultant while I built all my companies. Because you have to. You do what you have to do to become successful. If you ask any entrepreneur what they did before they, they hit it big, they work for somebody else too. They're making somebody else rich while they're building their own dream. Yeah. So that's my biggest take to anybody. If you believe in yourself and you want this bad enough, you're going to work 100 hours a week, which is, guys, you're it's yourself. It's for yourself. I always tell people like, how can you work 70 hours a week? I said, because it's for me. Like when I was working overtime and that they would pay me whatever I wanted because I would do the work. I said, but I'm taking all that because I was a single dad by that time, raising my kids. And it's because I wanted to make sure my kids were taken care of and that they had everything that I could possibly give them because I got to work from home. Once you've proven yourself, guys, it doesn't matter where you work from. Believe in yourself and you're going to be able to do it. Exactly. And how bad you want it. How bad do you want to be successful? How bad do you want to take control of your life? People go, yeah, but you work like weekends. Okay. I go on trips and I still work on a trip. You know why? Because it's my business. I'm still enjoying myself. How many people like you've seen me many times? I'm having a beer helping a client. And they go like, oh, you're drinking? I said, yeah. I'm not drunk. I'm having a beer. <laughs> yeah. And if I was drunk, trust me, I ain't answering the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No. So now I'm very, so this is where the part of, I'm like I said, I, I like to play devil's advocate. We're talking one end, working on yourself, working on your business and putting in the work on the weekends, right? Let's say we have those people though, the other camp who's, what about balance? What about being a family man, being a family woman, being home on the weekends, not missing your kid's soccer game. Now, what is that edge? What is that? I guess that push is going to drive that balance person who believes in the state of Wusa on the balance on to the camp where it's like, hey, you need to do whatever it takes. Okay, here's the reality here, right? Let's look at your daily life that you're doing every day. Your schedule. How much is it you're wasting? Seriously, if you're telling me I can't work and then take care of my kids or I can't do laundry, I can't. All right, first off, get out of the TV, get off mm -hmm. your phone, stop doing whatever you're doing that's not productive. I did not miss anything for my kids and I worked my ass off. I had a phone. I could work from anywhere. I could take calls. 
kids are priority. They were my number one. Anybody got in the way? Trust me. I was the wrong person to piss off when it came to my family. But mm -hmm. I also know I had to work. So when I got home, I mean, I'm a hockey nut. I always tell my wife, I said, we're interrupting this marriage because hockey night in Canada just started. Yeah. But I still do what I had to do. You just prioritize your event. There's so many people, they sit in front of that TV and they get home and they sit down and they go, oh, I had such a long day. It's so stressful. First off, get exercise, take care of your body, work, protect yourself because this is your own body. Yeah. Start believing in yourself, start taking care of yourself and change your mindset. There's so many hours in a day. Like I know people, they go to bed at one o'clock and then they, I can barely get up at seven. I said, yeah, you went to bed at one. What do you expect? Get off the goddamn TV. I pass out at 10. I don't yeah. need nothing to pass out. I can have a coffee at 930 and then 10 to 10, I'm gone. Yet I wake up at 530, four to six every day. And I start my day. I start my routine. All right. But. For the people that don't think there's enough hours in the day, look at your schedule. Find out when you're really not doing anything. Okay, you're doing laundry. Does that mean you stand, look at the damn washing machine for the next two hours? No, you throw it in and you walk away. I got to take the kids to the concert or I got to take them to baseball. Okay, great. Does that mean that you're watching the game, you're supporting them, you can't be multitasking? Learn how to value your time is very valuable. If depends on where you want to be in 40 years too. If you're 30 years old and you're going, man, I want to have everything and I want this boat, I want this, look at any entrepreneur that owns basically whatever he wants at a certain age and look at the sacrifice he did early on. And they're still working hard, they, but they still get their weekends. They still get to go do their stuff. It's because they sacrificed and they managed their time. And when you're running a business, and you think you're saving money by doing a task that somebody that you can pay $12 an hour or $13 an hour, $15 an hour for, hire them. Especially when you're used to making $200 an hour. Yeah. Hello, I get three people there. They're doing all that stuff. I can now put my time better spent where I'm making more money. Gotcha. Interesting. That's why I don't dial anymore because I could spend all day dialing and I'm good at booking appointments but I'm better selling and helping clients than, and then I can manage a larger team. Like we have hundreds of agents that I talk to all the time and mm -hmm. they call me all the time asking questions. My goal is to be a teacher, educate and get people to believe in themselves. Gotcha. So that's more focusing on the high leverage opportunities. Now there's something, there's a stat I just found out, which is because a lot of people who watch me are people who are basically trying to start their own software company, right? Or start their own companies or get or in sales per se. Now, Let's, I want to ask this question as far as low, high leverage opportunities. So what I would define as a high leverage opportunity is low capital to get in, high return, right? Now, I'm very curious as to, let's say in the sale, in, from your personal experience, what is the amount of capital required to get in into the financial services space versus the return you can see? What's that number? What's that key? If you can, if you understand my question. This is like insane. If you okay. got $5,000. 5,000, that's it. Get your license and all that stuff, all right? Watch a bunch of people, how they did it on YouTube. It's all over the place. Look at how they offered the products and different like that. You don't need to know them all, right? And then buy leads and go to work. And you're going to return about 50-50 return. So basically what I'm telling you, if you break even your first couple of months in this business, right? You're learning. So it's okay. You spent 5,000, I'm going to return. Even if you get 3,000 back, you buy more leads. Trust me. Before long, that 5,000 a week span or a month span is going to turn into a 20,000 income. Okay. So that's a five to one, right? Is it a four to one? Yeah, it's a four to one. I'm right now probably about 10 to 11 to one. Really? Yeah. So that basically that 5,000 would translate into 50. Yeah. So I'm writing about 65 to 70,000 a month. Now I write that knowing that it's not all going to work, which is mm -hmm. okay. Because at the end of the day, if I get 45, 50,000 that hits my bank account, I'm going, okay, not bad. Gotcha. So what you're saying is when they, when someone gets to your level on, on, on a basis is they're investing in your business, which is marketing, which every business owner understands that there's marketing, right? Invest that 5,000. They at least worst case to get the 5,000 back best case to get a 10 to one return. Now let's say devil's advocate, you know, you have somebody who's coming into the financial services space or the insurance space. And they're like, I don't like spending money in marketing and 
go get a job. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, because first off, you're going to talk to your friends and family and you might get a couple of sales and then you're going to get charged back because mm. your friends and family did you a favor. They're going, oh, Jesus, Brian, you're such an ass, but what the hell? I'm going to buy a policy off you. Two months later, they go, I don't want this policy. They cancel. That's mm. a charge back. Now the carrier's going to come back and say, hey, Brian, we just gave you a thousand dollar advance. We need that money back. You're going, oh, I got mm. five, five families. That's five grand. I don't have five grand. And then, well, I'm just going to not pay it. Now you get vectored. Now you go on collections and you just screwed up your credit history and your vector. That means your life in the insurance industry is now done because you have vectored. Because if you lie, they're going to terminate you. And for what? Helping friends and family. Friends and family don't buy shit from friends and family. If you haven't figured that one out. Yeah. Very rare. Oh yeah, we're going to help you get started. No, you're my family. I'm going to cancel. You understand, right? Because you know, you're not going to hate me. But strangers are looking for help. And those are the people that you're going to help the most is people you don't know. You build that relationship on the phone very quickly and just be matter of fact, I don't BS you. This is exactly what it's going to be. Yeah. That's interesting though. That's interesting. You said that friends and family don't buy from friends and family. And I think that's interesting because there's that relationship, right? There's the foundation of the relationship was not built on a business stance. So it's, it almost feels weird from you go from a business a family relationship to a business relationship. I know it's going to sound weird, but this is going to sound really weird, but it's like the equivalent of, and I don't want the internet coming for me for this one is like equivalent of your cousin saying like a female cousin or a male cousin saying, Oh, they want to go on a date with a female cousin. It's the foundational relationship is very much one that's wrong to or family. So that doesn't make sense. But then you have the cousin's friend, the male friend that now asks, the female cousin now it's okay there's a different foundation foundation of knowledge so it's almost like from what you're saying is the foundation that you start off with is very important and that's why friends and family don't buy from friends and family because it's the equivalent of trying to get in a relationship with your family member right yeah because exactly it you just don't want to go there i've known people that they got their start there but they invested their money back most people because this money is like going in a bar yeah. Not this money. This business is like going in a bar. You can get a lot of money coming in really fast. And the problem is people don't reinvest into their business. They go, wow, there's a trip. Let's take the kids to Disneyland. Let's go here. Oh, there's a cruise. There's, they've never been self-employed. So they're struggling at, wow, I'm my own boss. That means I can do whatever I want. Yeah, I can do whatever I want because nobody can fire me. And yet they find out they're broke or they're not making money because First off, they're not dedicated to themselves. They don't understand that running your own business means it's a 24-7 job. For all the people out there, if you really want to be self-employed, it's 24-7. Gotcha. You live and breathe you. Gotcha. You, because you are in control. So if you're not living and breathing your business, you're going to probably like struggle because you're not living your business. And that's how do you become a SME? Not 10 years. You become a SME by being you every day. So I know how to pivot. I know I learn from my mistakes. Like I have an agent, she come in and we're talking and I said, listen, you're not learning from everything that you're doing. It's mm -hmm. like you, you do something and you're panicking, you forget, you forget, you forget. This is a business like any other business. Like you have to learn, know that you're going to fall down, know that you're going to make mistakes. That's okay. Because that's how do you learn? Like the only time you truly ever will fail and anything in life is the day you quit and stop. That's when you can finally say, okay, I failed. But like when I used to teach class and I taught thousands of people how to get jobs in the IT industry, I'd always ask them, why are you here? What motivated you to take my class? And the ones that would come up and say, I will try, I'll try. And I'd listen to everybody come up and there's quite a few that said, oh, I'm going to try this. And I heard some people are, so I'm going to try it. So I'd get up and I said, okay, everybody that said they're going to try, I said, you might as well quit today. And they were like, why? I said, because the minute you say, I'm going to try this, you're giving yourself an excuse to fail because you've already given yourself that I tried, I gave it my best shot. So look, I tried, it's not on me, right? It's everybody else's fault. It's not me because I tried. Whenever you say try, you just giving yourself a reason to lose. Because I'll be honest, guys, a real winner never tries. He just goes and does it. And 
listen, we all walk through life and there's forks in the road. There's always mm-hmm. things that we hit. There's an obstacle in front of us. There's a mountain, there's a hill. It doesn't matter what it is. How do you go through it? How do you get around it? How do you get over it? Right. Mm-hmm. If somebody's blocking you and you know, if they're blocking you and they're stopping your progress, but don't butt up against them and start a war with them because you're not going to win. Nobody's going to win. Go around them. Go mm-hmm. through them. You have to go over them. Mm-hmm. Get that person that's negative in front of you and say, hey, man, I love you. Could be a family member, could be a spouse, could be anybody, right? I love you, but listen, you're not helping me with your negativity. Gotcha. You being so negative, you're bringing me down. So now I don't need you to question me and tell me I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right? Honestly, it's not your, have you ever done this? Now, mm-hmm. if I was talking to a person that built a billion dollar business and I say, what do you know? Guess what? I'm the idiot. <laughs> I say, tell me everything. Tell me, please tell me what's your secret. And they're going to tell you the secret. And then you go, that can't be it. Cause that's too easy. Yeah. No, yeah. that's it. There's no secret to the success guys. Believe in yourself, look in the mirror and say, okay, I'm going to take three, four steps forwards. And I know I'm going to take two back, three back. Sometimes I'm going to take six back because man, that didn't work. Right. But I learned from it. And then you get better every time. And you always improve your skill sets. You always get better. Don't let nobody ever tell you anything otherwise. Right. I've had people that look at me like when I joined the IT industry and they said, man, you don't even know how to program your VCR. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> I, yeah. don't know, I remember those days. That was a big yeah, thing. Yeah. I, I remember the VCR. I, I remember those days. Yeah. I couldn't. I was like that idiot that said, nah, screw it. On, off button. That's all I need. And guess what? I wrote more, passed more exams than any one of those people did. And I'm a hell of a lot more successful in the IT industry than any of them ever did. And they all got in. Like I was a tester making $180 an hour back in the day. 180 bucks an hour to be the same guy working beside me is making 25. What made me better is I believed in myself and I knew how to market it. Gotcha. I learned from a very, learn how to take everybody's stuff and run with it. Because here's the thing. I don't know where my book is. I have a book I wrote. Hard to believe. I wrote a book. <laughs> you wrote a book. I love it. And uh, guess what? Nothing in that book is original. Not one bloody thing. But what I did is I took everybody else's stuff and I said, okay, this is what we need to teach software testing. Yeah. So in the book is a disclaimer. Nothing in this book is original. Yeah. But I was able to take all their information and put it together and market it so that you can learn how to become a software test engineer. You can now learn how to pass an interview. So does that make me a genius? No, it just means I was able to take everybody else's stuff plagiarize it into a really good system because that's all we're doing is plagiarize it. I don't care. Like call it what you want. Plagiarism, right? We take somebody else's idea and we use it and we convert it into us. Yeah. How can I, cause I'm never going to be you as much as I love you, dude. I'm not you and yeah, you're not Brian Roland. So yeah. what does Brian do and how can I take what Brian does, but make it mine. And that's what everybody out there is. Okay. What is Elon Musk doing? That I can do and make it mine. What yeah. does he do? He sleeps on the floor of his factory. He's there. He's running it. What are you going to do to become successful? But ask yourself that. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice to become where you want to be? Wow. In- interesting. That's a very inspirational talk. Now, before we wrap up here, because, you know, just the constraint of time, let's talk numbers, right? I'm really curious about numbers because obviously the viewers, they want to know just if you can share a ballpark, the Wolves Financial Sales Organization, which is the insurance side of things, what is the numbers? How, what is the monthly production numbers? And if you can uh, get that. We used to do a million a month. Wow. A right. million a month. A million a month, yeah, as a team. Wow. <laughs> okay. So I was going to say, I was going to say million dollar agency owner, but this is a more, this was a multi-million dollar agency. Okay. So now let's say of a million a month now, in that transition, right? Because this is where I want to transition to two things. It's two parts. I've noticed in sales organizations and sales industries, the top producers don't make the top leaders. No. Sometimes, right? So I'm very curious as to what is that secret sauce? Let's say I'm a top producer. I'm coming in, I'm making a million a year, but for some reason I'm struggling to grow my sales organization, right? How do I get my team actually producing? All right. So here's the thing that where we all got to get out of our own way. Yeah. Seriously. First off, get your head out of your own head. Mm-hmm. Normally get your head out of your ass. Yeah. 
people think too much of themselves, honestly. So is this reproducible? Mm. Is what you're doing, because some people can write 100,000 a month in their own pen. Yeah. Problem is, it's not reproducible. Got you. Somebody else can't do it. So when you go out and you're bragging how good you are, and you're going, ha ha, look at me, look at me. And come on, you guys suck, right? Come on, be me. And they're like, no, I can't be you. I don't need 100,000 a month. I'd rather have a hundred good agents earning 15,000 a month each and 10 agents doing a hundred thousand or 150,000 a month each. Mm. First off, you got to deal with their ego because they think they're all too good. People don't want to follow somebody that's too much into themselves, plain simple, right? Because you're not relatable yeah. because everything that they're going to do is never good enough. And so what you have to do is it, can I, is it repeatable? In the IT industry, everything I did was, okay, I have to be able to have anybody that walks in off the street can be able to do this. And it doesn't matter where all the teams, and sometimes I had 15 teams, every team had to do it the exact same way. Why? Because I can take anybody, put them anywhere and fill in the void. IT industry, this industry, any industry is no different. Make it so that anybody can walk in and do the job. Believe mm -hmm. in this, right? They have to believe in themselves. They have to say, hey, I can do this. I can do sales. I can do whatever. It doesn't matter. But if you don't believe in yourself, hey, we need like those hourly workers, guys. Like no offense to anybody. But if you're not willing to believe in yourself and look in the mirror and say, okay, this is what I have to do to become successful. Right? I want to build a large organization. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Plain simple. Don't make them feel in inferior because you're such a high level producer that they're not. Well, guess what? I got news for you, moron. When you first started, you sucked. You asked people for help. They gave you help. Now you don't want to repeat that. Now you don't want to help people to get to your level. When I look at my IT classes and my students and everybody that's gone through, when I hear one of them that passed me, right, that got a higher rank in the IT industry than I have, I'm proud of that. I feel like, wow, I had that little bit, right, little bit. Mm that helped them get their career going, you know, and there's so many smart people that, Oh my God, I'm like, I get letters still to this day and phone calls saying, Hey, just want to reach out. I just got promoted. I thought I'd want to let you know I'm a director. I'm a senior project manager. I'm like, wow, no. I did software testing. Now you're a project manager, managing other product managers. So it's a, it's an amazing thing. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So Let's, let's go ahead and wrap up here. Obviously, this is just an Emmanuel's list of dumb questions, okay? So if you were a piece of software, what would you be and why? If I was a piece of software, I'd probably be a calculator. Why? Because I love numbers. I love it. Okay. Now, have you ever tried testing a, web, testing a website while eating pizza? My good God, yes. <laughs> so do life insurance agents make more money than tech nerds? Yes. Oh, this is insane. Is there a secret handshake for members of the Wolf Financial Group? No. No? Okay, you should dish it. <laughs> okay, that's... So now, have you heard of ChatGPT? No. No? Oh, okay. That, 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 would, that was going to transcend to a question, but that's perfectly fine. So now, what's, the ne what's next for you? Any new projects? Any new plans? Anything you're working on? Yeah, so what I'm working on now is the five verticals in the insurance industry. Okay, which are? So you have your life sales. You have your final expense, your annuities. So there's three platforms there. What nobody ever told us about, right? And the residual income, which I've learned throughout the hard way, unfortunately, it's that you have Medicare, right? 50% mm -hmm. residual income, no chargebacks. ACA, Affordable Care Act, no chargebacks. It's like mm -hmm. an annuity printed now. You don't make as much money, but it's never ending. And then you have indemnity medical, right? You get, it's a residual income forever. As long as they keep the policy, you get the same amount year after year. So on those platforms, now, if you're making, let's say, 30, 40,000 a month selling life insurance, you're not going to make that at the start. You don't need other ones. That's a two, three, four year goal. But once you get yourself at 500 clients or more, you got yourself a retirement income that'll never end. Gotcha. I have people where I live, and I don't know if you can see, this is my outdoor park, right? This yeah, is where yeah. It's a horrible place. My house is behind me. But this is my man cave. I love it. There's people in this park and you get to meet him. And he has about 1,500 clients. And I was like, well, what do you do? He goes, what you do? But I, I went away from that and I just do this one. He says, I work three months of the year. And then the rest of the year, I do nothing. And he makes about 700,000 a year. 
Jesus. And I was like, that's wow. exactly what I said. I went, Jesus, that's what I want to do. But I know I can't do nine months without work. So I'm mm-hmm. going to build all the different verticals. And that's my goal is so we can get these verticals going, have a lot of fun, bring yeah. agents with me and help a lot of families. That's one of the biggest things I've always loved about QA 101. We've changed so many lives and affected so many people, my wife and myself, mm-hmm. because we did things that we never thought was, I did I built a following there in QA 101, the, the testing world that you just never expected to happen. You don't because you're just doing it every day. And all of a sudden you had, I call it the army, right? We built this massive army of people that we helped over the years. Yeah. Interesting. The insurance industry is no different. Now, will everybody do it? Nope. But you know what? The ones that want, I'm here for them. I'm here to coach them, guide them. I can never, and none of us can do it for you guys. That's one of the biggest secrets. Nobody can do it for you. You have to do it on your own. We're here to help you, but you have to do it on your own. I love it. I see why you were able to build a business of a million a month. I see the leadership skills there and the qualities. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, let's say they want to reach out to you for, let's say they're currently building an agency or they have their agency and they want some of your knowledge. What's And also, if they also are insurance agents and they're looking for that leadership qualities or to work with you, what is the best way to reach out to you? Reach out to you and share my email address. Okay. 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 Perfect. I'll drop it. All right, guys, I'm going to leave Brian's email in the description below. So if you want to work with Brian, if you are currently looking for a consulting company to come in, help and qualify a business, they're not cheap, but they're going to be, his email is going to be down in the description. If you're an insurance agent and you're looking for a team to partner with, I'm going to leave his, and you like what you hear. You like the fact that Brian is a no BS guy. I can tell you this. I've had conversations with Brian and it's no sugar coating. It's, hey, what is one plus one? There's no, hey, one plus one. It's, no, it's two. And then you're like, it hurts your feelings, but it's the truth you want to hear. And if you're looking for a no BS guy, I'm going to drop his email in the description. And also, guys, listen, don't forget to sub to the channel. So we'll talk about business. And obviously, Brian, you guys heard it. Multi-million dollar producer who had a mil- an agency doing a million, over a million a month. That's impressive. Brian, it's a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Any last words you want to have for the, for the viewers? Enjoy life, guys. It's too short. All right, you guys heard it. Enjoy life is too short. Thanks a lot, Brian. And thanks a lot, guys, for watching. Enjoy.